All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. In life, they say there are two things that you can't avoid. First being death, the second being taxes. With me today to talk exactly about the second topic is Mr. Taxman, Dr. Adrian Raftery. Thank you so much for joining us. G'day, Michael. It's uh, We were just having a chat before about death and taxes, and you, you mentioned to me that um, there's actually three things that you can't avoid in life. Yeah, there, the, exactly. So the third thing is actually uh, taxes on death. Yes. So uh, capital gains tax seems to occur a lot, especially when you transfer assets from uh, one generation to generation. And, and of course, there's GST on all the funeral expenses as well. So um, unfortunately, you can't avoid taxes. No, no. We minimize not. them, but we can't avoid them. That's it. That's it. And and I mean, the reason I wanted to have a chat today is literally about, you know, we've, um, I mean, depending on when you're listening to this episode, we've just started a new financial year. And in some ways, many would think, okay, this is the time to not think about tax anymore. Let's just keep going on with our lives. But, um, you know, at the same time, something I talk to my clients about, and I'm sure you do regularly, is the fact of the idea of tax planning and things to think about. Because if, I mean, from a tax point of view, there's you've got people out there that sort of plan their year and they sort of know what to claim and they have an idea as to what they can and can't do. And then you've got those that just, I guess they just wing it and they just hope that come end of the financial year, they'll just get something back. Yeah, I think uh, probably most people are in that second category. Yep. They only think of tax at the end of the year. And it's partly because we've been trained, I guess, over the years with all the savvy media, the marketing people where they only do their, all of their adverts, you know, year, year end, uh, end of financial year, tax deals, et cetera. Yep. Um, we don't really have too many tax deals in July and August. So people tend to forget about uh, claiming or thinking about tax planning at the start of the year. And um, I suppose, if anything, um, July is the perfect time to do a lot of tax planning because there's so much more scope for us to actually do stuff um, than uh, than what you can on the 29th or the 30th of June. So, And a lot of people will have a lot more cash available and have a bit more planning. So by all means, you can maximise uh, your tax planning. And I call tax planning a 365-day process as well. So really important that you get into that mindset of claiming um, or preparing for your taxes throughout you know, every day of your life rather than just only a few days a year. Yes, yes. And and there are many mistakes as well that some make because um, I know that um, I've heard you mention a few over the years um, in the media about some mistakes or, or sins. I know you like to call them sometimes about you know, th- essentially things that are sometimes missed or forgotten or, you know, there's that sure be right attitude. But if we could sort of touch on them, I guess, to begin with, to sort of help crush a couple of myths or bring up a couple of points that some people may not have thought were that important in the past. Yeah, I call them my seven deadly sins. So I think I you know, loved the, the movie and the books over the years about the, the deadly sins. And so I try to make them into tax and try to ca- characterize how everyone makes all these mistakes uh, along the lines. Now, you've got a whole range of different people out there, some who are uh, outright dishonest um, and they'll they'll won't declare their income. So they'll actually emit income 
Um, there'll be others who who will just forget about stuff, um, so they they won't lodge um, returns for a number of years. In fact, I'm working on someone right now who's got 50 years worth of tax returns. Um, so you've got those type of people. You've got people who are arrogant, um, who think they can do their tax returns themselves uh, rather than um, that they try and save a few dollars in terms of paying a tax agent. But invariably, they're even not going right up to the boundary to claim everything they're entitled to or they go well over the boundary and claim a little bit too much and the ATO get a bit uh, bit upset in the future. Yes. Um, you've got those people who are, are careless, so um, they're missing out on some really easy tax deductions. Um, now, that may be they don't keep a, a logbook for 12 weeks for their car if they use it for work purposes. They just stick with the cents per kilometre method, um, which is great up to 5,000 kilometres, but once you get beyond 5,000 kilometres a year, um, it really is worthwhile uh, from experience doing a logbook. And likewise, with home office expenses now, with um, all these COVID lockdowns we're used to, um, a lot of people will be lazy and just claiming the 80 cents per hour method rather than just getting the actual expenses that they have incurred as well from home. Um, we also have people who, um, you know, you know I, I call this the, the stupidity sin, where people make mathematical errors and they'll uh, they actually uh, calculate, you know, they transpose fingers incorrectly onto their tax return and they don't pick up on the mistakes pretty easily. Probably one famous one that I came across was someone claimed $16,000 worth of car expenses and the ATO obviously tr- yeah, it triggered with them because I think they were a factory worker or something like that. <laughs> um, had a look at their work papers and they actually had 160 decimal plays, zero, zero. So it was $160 they were going to claim, but they put a six, uh, 16000 in the return. So they got a nice big refund up front. They spent it. Then they had to try and pay it back, plus all the penalties as well with it as well. So um, it is quite uh, yeah, surprising how simple mistakes can blow up. Um, and I guess the you know probably the last group is uh, those who are just outright lazy. So you know if you see a hundred dollars on the ground, I'd pick it up. So I don't know if uh, you know what, what you would do, Michael, but I, I would definitely pick it up. Um, but there's so many people who just don't bother with claiming everything they're entitled to. They're basically leaving refunds on the table. Um, because sometimes they say they want to sort of stay under the radar. Um, But look, if you've got the deductions, if you incur the expenses for them, is it related to your income? By all means, claim claim it. Go up to the boundary. If the ATO does a review of you in the future, don't be afraid um, to be able to just produce the receipts. And in most cases, the ATO will accept as long as you do have the documentation and you can prove it as useful work purposes. Yes, yes. And and, I mean, and on the note of finding $100 on the floor, if I found $100, I'd I wouldn't just pick it up. I'd be looking for other money that's probably fallen out somewhere as well. So uh, very good. <laughs> I'll um, you for but, it. And, and on that point as well that you, you just mentioned earlier, um, you know, when it comes to even laziness or just ignorance in a way, um, I, I'll sometimes talk to a client or even a friend that tells me, oh, I've got a great accountant. When I ask them why, they'll say, oh, they let me claim anything I want. And my first initial thoughts is probably the same to yours, similar similar to yours, which is, well, that doesn't mean anything, you know. Um, I guess what's your experience, not experience, but I guess what, what should people watch out for? Because essentially from what I understand is the person that's, it doesn't matter who lodges a tax return, um, it's the, ultimately you're liable for your own tax return at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, you've got to sign off on it. Um, but it's, yeah. it's really funny. You raised a really interesting question. Um, and I suppose it's, it'd be great if some psychology student out there wants to do some research on it. But I always seem to be judged 
on the size of the refund about whether I'm a great um, accountant or not. Um, and and you do take it to heart, you know, when especially when some clients will say, you know, you say you you know you only got a refund of twenty dollars or you got to pay five hundred bucks, and they've got a negative emotion that comes up straight away, and they get aggressive, and uh, uh, and you're doing the absolute best. You're trying to claim everything you, they're legally entitled to. Sometimes if you know they've had a capital gain or whatever the case may be, but um, you know, by all means, go to the boundary, but never go over it because. Um, there's pretty significant um, penalties, you know. Invariably, the, you know, the ATO will find out. Um, yeah. They may miss out on the first year. They may miss out on the second year. Uh, but invariably, with their data matching processes, they'll pick up on it, um, and they'll they'll say, "Hey, have a look at it. Our system seems you'd be claiming a little bit too much than what you're entitled to based on your occupation or, or your business. Can you we pr- please provide a bit more proof?" Um, sometimes they'll give a bit of a heads up in the the tax portal. They'll say, "Oh." Your expenses about are higher than the average for someone in your occupation. Maybe you need to review it. Um, if you don't review it, then um, expect a phone call from us in the future, or an email, or, or a letter from us in the future. Um, yeah. So there's a real obligation, you know, for us to all pay, I guess, our fair and you know, our fair share of tax. By all means, don't pay too much. Don't tip them, as Kerry Packer used to say, famously yes. used to say. But uh, by all means. Pay, pay your fair share. So, um, also, you know, you know, tax accountants, uh, tax agents, we have to abide by our, all our ethical processes as well. So, we've got to comply by the rules and regulations. And as a tax agent, we're actually an agent for the tax office, technically, rather than being an agent for the individual. So, we're responsible for the collection of taxes, believe it or not, for for the ATO, even though the the client pays for us. And if you come across a, you know, what you could term a a dodgy accountant who's you know a great accountant but he's dodgy. Um, uh, the ATO are pretty cluey on that as well, and if they detect that an agent is claiming a lot higher than anyone else is claiming over you know extrapolated across all clients and all, all accountants out throughout Australia, um, they will actually um, review that that accounting firm, and you'll see probably about two or three times a year saying the ATO have. Um, have laid charges against a particular accounting firm, and they'll go through a hundred percent of the clients as well to see if they've actually you know, uh, claimed everything they're entitled to. Invariably, you'll see, um, and they'll have um, they'll have a spouse on their tax return that they've never heard of before. Um, previously, they will claim spouse rebates. That I know they're no longer available in returns these days, but. It could be keeping under the threshold levels. I've seen dodgy returns with uh, a rental property with negative gearing that they've never owned, um, claiming you know in the thousands of dollars uh, of stuff that they have no, yeah, you know, I guess have no uh, entitlements or whatever to claim. They've got no justification of claiming it, um, especially in terms of the line of work that they actually do. Yeah, and and rightly so. It's um, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's like what you said. There's there's legal ways of doing things and illegal ways and i mean on that note i'll 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 really want to touch on your book a bit later on but you know you've got a book actually let's just do it now you've got a book which um gets reviewed every year a new edition comes out called 101 ways to save money on your tax legally um i think that's a really good place for some people to start as well um i mean whether they feel like they have a a good accountant or not but just to sort of get an idea as to what they can and can't do yeah, it's a, it's a book I wrote 11 years ago. Um, I was fed up of all my mates asking me uh, when we're having a few beers late at night, uh, asked me for tax tips. And I said, you know, I used to give it to them, but now I just say, oh, look, it's in my book. Um, I, I tried to design it for mums and dads, uh, you know, or for individuals 
um, right in a sort of easy to explain language, a bit like how I'm communicating with you now as well. And yeah. uh, it's not something that, you know, you must read all 101 tips right now because not all 101 are applicable to you right now, but I believe over a lifetime, uh, the majority of tips will be applicable to everyone, um, whether they're an individual, um, they become a family, they run a business, they buy some shares, they buy property, they're super, they set up their self-managed super fund. Um, there's so many issues that do pop up over a lifetime that majority of the tips that, I, that do bring up do come up now. Um, my intention was to only write one book, but um, tax change tax changes all the time. So I guess there's you know there's four things in life are certain uh, changes to tax um, because uh, thank you to the government uh, for allowing changes on a regular basis because there's been a need for me to update my book as well and stay on top of things. And I suppose it's uh, one thing that's also important by getting a, a tax agent to do your um, tax affairs as well is they they should be on top of the latest changes and making sure there's everything you're entitled to. Um, I know that we, uh, when it was the, with the all the COVID stimulus packages in the last year, um, the amount of uh, individuals who didn't seek a tax agent and missed out on some stimulus payments was staggering. Um, but, you know, we're seeing it all the time. And so we've been front and centre and being able to maximise, you know, claims for, for everyone because we're up to date with the latest information as well. So, um, so yeah, the book is a great a great little ready reckoner. Um, there's actually a lot of accountants actually buy, buy my book as well because they like having there on the desk to be able to refer to rather than to try and look for it on the on the internet and the World Wide Web and all the tax legislation themselves. Yeah, because I actually um, was given, I think, one of your books about eight years ago um, by an accountant, funny enough, actually. And um, it's uh, I think he had it in the year after. He must have bought your, your second edition. I can only assume so because he it was from the year before. But again, just reading it, you're right. Some of it doesn't relate to everyone straight away, but it's good to be aware of these things. and um, Or even you might know someone that you can help you know, if, you know, you're not married, but you know someone that is, and hey, did you know that you can do this and that? And it does help. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au. Um, before, also, I really want to touch on planning for, for the financial year moving forward. Um, but just before that, just because we're on this topic, can I ask where you'd recommend somebody finds an accountant or, sorry, not where they find them, but what they should look for in an accountant, essentially? Uh, are there any, is there like a a couple of pointers you can give on that side of things? I guess most people uh, uh, refer an accountant to, to one of their mates or their family members or colleagues. So it's really good to ask, you know, your, your, your network, your circle of friends, hey, is, in, is there an accountant that you can recommend that you're happy with, that you trust and the like? So it's invariably a really good start because you've got some type of, um, I guess if you like a recommend, that personal recommendation about whether that they're happy with the accountant that they're with. Um, there's, I guess, some base things. Check that they're actually a registered tax agent. Check, you know, ideally that they're a member of one of the three professional bodies, being chartered accountants or CPAs or the Institute of Public Accountants. If they've been a fellow of one of those organisations, that means they've been in operation for at least 10 or 10, 15 plus years and have pretty much ticked the box and done the right thing uh, out there in the general domain. And um, I, But one thing I really like looking at is, is if you have a look at their website, and have a look at the style of writing that they actually do have. And if it's really easy to read, a bit like 
having a conversation over the phone, that's great. Um, if it's all technical gobbledygook um, or if it's really generic marketing, um, probably you know, it needs to be – it probably may not be a, a good fit for you. By all means, call them up. Ask them if they can have a – you know, they have initial consultation for free. But most mostly these days, I know that most new clients come to me. It's just really by email because they're too busy to pick up the phone or don't want to be on the phone all the time. So, so you get a bit of an idea in terms of their communication style with you. Um, do they have checklists? Um, what are their processes? Um, are they available? Can they take on new clients? So many different things to, to have. But um, yeah, it's yeah. I guess is that the important thing is once you identify that you've got a good accountant. Uh, and it would be pretty clear if you if you do um, stick with them. So I guess it's a bit like you know for financial planners for yourself, Michael, where um you really want to build a lifelong relationship with your know, registered tax agent because aside from year end tax planning, um, you re- really want to contact them for any sort of major transaction that you may come across. Now it could be in receiving inheritance, uh, it could be you want to set up your own business. Um, you just want to you know there's things that will happen throughout your lifetime. Lifetime. And if you've got that understanding with uh, built up so much inherent knowledge with your tax agent, they'll be able to guide you, uh, give you the appropriate advice. And you know what? You could actually save hundreds of thousands of dollars over a lifetime purely by giving the right advice at the right time. Um, and, you know, it's far easier to change um, or restructure transactions uh, if the event occurs before rather than afterwards. And I've got a lot of people actually contacting me now um, saying, oh, look, I sold some shares uh, last year and made a big capital gain or I sold a property and made a big capital gain. What can I do to reduce my tax? Well, being the different financial year, it's really hard for me to do too much uh, compared to what it would be if if they contacted me in early June. Yes, exactly. And I guess we're moving forward then. What are some tips that you'd give for those that are listening to this thinking, okay, this has brought up a couple of really good points. Let's start planning or let's start preparing for next year's tax return. Yeah, look, I'm sure, I'm certain, you know, I've listened to your podcast uh, a fair bit, Michael. I know, I know you, um, you know, you hammer it to death, but I'll just only highlight, you know, only really quickly superannuation and make sure that everyone, you know, takes advantage of all the super concessions that are out there because that's one of the biggest tax advantaged uh, uh, vehicles are there. And it's a lot easier to do it on the 1st of July to find some cash than trying to find it on the 29th of June as well in relation to super. So really important that you do that as well. Um, your biggest deduction outside of super, I guess, um, is really um, your car expenses. Um, and and to maximise that, you need to do a logbook for 12 weeks, but not only just a logbook for 12 weeks. Um, and ideally, yeah, you pick your busiest time of the year that you actually, you know, are going to be doing doing your logbook as well. Um, but you also need to keep receipts for your car throughout the course of the whole year. So all your petrol, your rego, your insurance, your your servicing, keep all those expenses throughout the whole year because invariably people are really slack in keeping their receipts. Um, some will keep it in in, in a shoebox. Um, personally, I hate shoeboxes. Um, <laughs> at least if you can try and update to um, scanning uh, documents, that'd be really good. Now, the ATO have actually got an awesome app. So they're My Deductions app. Um, you just pretty much take a photo of your receipts, 
put in a few items in there and it automatically scans and updates it. And then at the end of the year, you can download um, all of your um, uh, transactions you've put in throughout the course of the whole year. So that's the My Deductions app um, that the ATO do operate. Um, and, you know, there's a simple motto with the ATO, no receipt equal, you know, there's invariably no tax deduction as well. I also know quite a few people um, buy properties uh, in, for investment purposes and generally they're negatively geared. Um, interest rates are quite low right now, so they may, be, may, not be, may not be as negatively geared as what it has been in the past, but rents are lower as well. Um, but if you do have a property that's negatively geared, You've got two options. Most people wait to the end of the year and, and get a nice big refund, whether it's $5,000 or $10,000 in relation to their rental property. Um, but you can actually put in a, a pay-to-go withholding variation now and actually get the tax on your on your um, normal wage uh, reduced. So you get a bit more in a, each pay. So maybe $500 extra a month or whatever, rather than waiting to the end of the year to get $6,000 refund check. Um, is a lot easier for cash flow, um, especially if you're struggling. Now, if you don't need the cash, uh, wait till the end of the year. It's a good force form of saving to get a nice big refund at, at the end of the year. But if you're struggling, you know, on a Saturday night, can I take 50 bucks out of my bank account just so I can have a few beers and 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 enjoy a night out? Um, by all means, get take advantage of this. Uh, you know, getting your negative gearing benefits upfront um, because it makes a huge difference. Now, also, um, there was a lot of advertising there at the end of financial year from these savvy marketers about um, uh, temporary full expensing or the instant asset tax write-off um, where you can buy an asset and get it fully deductible. Um, that's great for a business. Um, if you operate a small business and you meet the qualifications, yeah, you can get the you can get the tax benefits. However, if you are an individual, pay-as-you-go employee, um, if you buy an asset over three hundred dollars on the twenty ninth of June, you can only claim one or two dollars in that year's tax return. So, if you want to take advantage of a depreciable asset, it's best to buy at the start of a financial year and get eleven or twelve months worth, rather than trying to claim it. You know, to buy it all on the on the twenty eighth or twenty ninth of June, um, which so many people actually do. You know, I'm doing tax returns right now, and I reckon every second person. They bought up heaps on the 28th and 29th of July, and uh, 29th, 29th of June. And I have to tell them, look, we only got you a $1 or $2 deduction this year. You spent $2,000, but we can only claim you know, a small amount this year because it's pro rata, the depreciation rate for individuals still for anything over $300. So um, they're just a few little tips to you know, to think about in terms of tax planning. Uh, as I said, you know, it's, it's a 365-day process, and that some of the things you can implement now makes it a lot easier come June next year, especially when you're going to see your accountant about some tax planning advice. Amazing advice. Amazing advice, especially the part about planning out during the year, the, you know, being a 365-day process because, uh, yeah, it's uh, – and, and also, I mean, someone once told me, and I'll never forget this, is that you don't know what you don't know. Um, so unless you read a book like this, unless you talk to somebody that's a professional, unless you – look into these things, it's almost impossible to actually t- to know what you can and can't do. So it's um, amazing advice. And, and and lastly, if anybody wanted to contact you, doctor, and, and purchase a po- copy of your book, what would you say is the easiest way to go about that? Oh, well, just to contact me, uh, you can go to my website. I'm Mr. Taxman. So it's pretty simple, www.mrtaxman.com.au. 
Um, in relation to my book, um, you'll generally find it in all good bookstores. I've been told there's also crap ones as well. There's in a few of those, but not too many of them, but all good bookstores, as we've been told. Um, but online, um, Amazon, I know it's a, a number one bestseller, uh, 101 Ways to Save Money in Your Tax Legally. Um, I know that Amazon and Dimex have been great. Um, they're, they're, I think they're the cheapest as well online, but you can also, um, they're really quick in terms of uh, postage, especially if you're in lockdown right now. Um, it's a really good uh, chance to just click and, uh, and get it delivered in your mail in, in the next week or so. Cool. Thank you. And lastly, I like to finish my episodes off with a dad joke. Um, and I thought I could not find a, I mean, I don't think I could have found a more fitting joke for today, but um, they say that my local tax office is a really good place to work. Why is that? It's because everyone counts. Ah, very so. good. <laughs> very good. You don't want so. to steal that later on for the kids? No, no, please go. Okay, for it, please. I'll let, I'll let you no, know. No how it royalties goes. needed. It's it's yours. So it's all good. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Taxman, uh, Dr. Adrian Raftery. Really appreciate your time. My pleasure, Michael. And uh, I wish you continued success. And uh, I hope everyone is listening as well. Um, uh, everything goes well for you in life as well. So thanks for the opportunity to have a have a chat to you today. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on sharing more than the sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases feel free to share this episode with any friends or family that you think it might benefit. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.